0: good morning to you and uh, begin by telling you about something I learned just recently that's fascinated me. It is the most exclusive club in the world and there's only one qualification that will gain you entry. Now here's the amazing thing, it's not money. Carlos Slim Helú is the richest person in the world. His net worth is 70.6 billion dollars. Bill Gates is the richest person in America. His net worth is $60.4 billion. Neither one of these men can buy their way into this club. It's not fame. The two most recognizable people in the world, according to the latest surveys, with the most recognizable faces are Muhammad Ali and Tiger Woods. Neither one of them can get into this club. It's not popularity. According to Twitter, the three most popular people on the planet right now are Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, and Katy Perry. And if you're over the age of 55, you're going, who is that? But anyway, none of them will be allowed into this club. It's not influence. Surveys show that the three most influential people of the 21st century are Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, and Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. None of them would be allowed into this club so money won't get you in popularity won't get you in influence won't get you in fame won't get you in so I hope you're asking the question right now what is the most exclusive club in the world well it only has five living members and there's only one qualification that will get you into this club there's only one requirement guess what it is it's a title and that title is president of the United States. You have to have been or currently be the President of the United States to get into the most exclusive club in the world known as The President's Club. I actually read a book. I'd recommend it if you like to read good stuff. I actually read a book. It was written by a lady named Nancy Gibbs and a man named Michael Duffy. It was called The President's Club. Fascinating book. And it recounted fascinating stories about how former and current presidents interact and how they get along and how they discuss things with each other and how they argue with each other. And it was just absolutely a, a book I could not put down. And while I was reading this book, I thought to myself about another club That, to me, is far more fascinating, far more exciting, far more important, and and, and something, by the way, that's totally different, where the President's Club is the most exclusive club in the world, this is the most inclusive club in the world. And that club is made up of followers of Jesus, the most inclusive club in the world, because the only qualification you have to have to be a candidate, become a part of this club, is you have to be a missing person that's it if you would like to be a member of this club all you got to do is be a missing person if you're visiting with us today our guest of ours we are in a series called missing persons and we've told you that we've defined a missing person as someone who is far from god but that can be invited to come near to god i told you last week every empty chair in this building that represents an amber alert on somebody who is far from God. As a matter of fact, Jesus even tells us the reason why he left heaven, the reason why he came to earth was really simple, to find and rescue missing persons. He said in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Now, if you were here last week as we started this series, you'll remember, Jesus has already found his first missing persons. He had found some fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James and John. They were missing people. They were far from God. He invited them to come near to God. And not only did he invite them to come near to God, he invited them to come and to follow him. And amazingly, they did. And when they decided to follow him, he said, look, I want you to understand what I'm asking you to do. I want you to quit fishing for fish, and I want you to start fishing for people. I want you to start looking for missing persons. Well, I'm sure that raised a question. Because, for example, if you were to say to me today, uh, I'd like to take you fishing, which, by the way, ain't going to happen. But if you were to say to me, hey, I'd like to take you fishing, you know the first question I would ask, well, what kind of fish are we going to fish for? And so when Jesus said to these disciples, I don't want you to fish for fish, I want you to fish for people. I want you to start looking for missing persons, they must have asked the question, well, Lord, what kind of missing persons should we go after? What kind of fish should we be Looking for. And what they were going to learn and what Jesus was going to teach them and what Jesus was going to show them over the next three years absolutely shocked their system to the core. And this is what I want you to take out the door this morning. What you're going to learn today is this everybody is invited to follow Jesus. Everybody is to be invited to follow Jesus and anybody can follow Jesus everybody's to be invited and anybody can do it all right so let me just make sure you've got it who are we to be inviting to follow Jesus tell me who everybody and who can if they want to Anybody, right? So everybody's to be invited, and anybody can do it. And now here's what Jesus is going to do. And by the way, if you've got a broad copy of God's Word, we already know we're going to be in one of four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Turn to the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third cha- third book, and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5. And what you're going to see today is Jesus has just called, if you remember, he has just called these new men to follow him, Andrew, uh, Peter, James, and John. Now he's going to show them what they're to do, and he's going to show them how to do it. And the same way that Jesus did it is the same way we are to do it. Because it's come one, come all. This is what you're going to see this morning. Three things I want to share with you. Number one, you're going to learn today, we are to ask everyone to follow Jesus. Doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter where they come from, doesn't matter what what their background is, we are to ask everyone to follow Jesus. We're in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. Now, I want you to go back 2,000 years, and I want you to kind of get this in mind. Jesus has called these four men to follow him. Maybe it's been a few days or a few weeks. They haven't been at it very long. And they're walking. they, They think they're just out taking a nice, beautiful walk on a beautiful, sunny day. And they're walking down this road, and they had passed by this tax booth many, many times. But unlike Jesus, here's what they did. When they would pass the tax booth, they'd turn their head. They wouldn't even look at this guy called Levi, and you'll see why in just a moment. But when you read verse 27, it says, Jesus, listen to these words, Jesus saw Levi. Now, that word saw is more intense than that word saw comes across in English. In the Greek language, what that word literally means is it means to stare at and to focus on deliberately. In other words, here's what happened. They're walking down the road. They go by this tax booth. The disciples turn their head this way, and they keep walking. Jesus just stops. He begins to look at this tax collector. I'm not saying you're the tax collector, Steve. I'm just using you as an example. Though you could be a tax collector. He's looking at this guy, and he's just staring at him. I mean, up and down, he just got his eyes focused on him. Now, you know, if, if you, how many of you ever had the feeling somebody's staring at you? You ever had that feeling, right? Isn't that uncomfortable when you just feel like staring? You know what's even more uncomfortable when you realize someone is, right? I mean, that's that's really uncomfortable. Kind of like I, I read about the, uh, the, there was this nursing home, and a man was sitting down to eat lunch, and a lady sat down right across the table. He'd never met this lady in his life. She was a new member of this nursing home. She sits down right in front of him, and she didn't even meet. She just starts staring at him, just wouldn't take her eyes off of him. Made him very uncomfortable. Finally, he said, excuse me, do I know you or have I done something wrong? She said, you know, you look just like my fourth husband. He said, how many have you had? She said, three. Now, <laughs> you get real uncomfortable, right, when, 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 when people are staring at you. Well, by this time, Jesus' name and fame had been spreading around the region. Everybody kind of knew who Jesus was, and there's no question that Levi knew who Jesus was. So Levi's sitting there, and he's going, what does this man named Jesus want with me? Why is he staring with me? When nobody else will give me the time of day, why is he staring at me? And then Jesus opens his mouth, and he says the last thing that Levi ever thought Jesus would say to him, follow me. Excuse me? Follow me. I'm asking you to leave out and become a disciple. I've already got four. I'm asking you to join the club. Now, in first century Palestine, the word disciple didn't mean then what it means today. Because when I, when I, if I were to say to you, what is a disciple? You would say probably something like this. Well, that's someone that goes into a school and sits under a teacher and, and they kind of learn stuff or they learn information. Well, that's not what the word disciple meant back in Bible days. Back in Bible days, it meant an apprentice. A disciple was someone who didn't just learn a skill, they learned a way of life. That's why Jesus didn't look at Levi and say, learn from me. He said, I want you to follow me. And what he was saying to Levi was, Levi, I don't want you just to change the way you're thinking. I want you to change the way you're living. I don't want to just change your brain. I want to change your heart. And there was something even more amazing both to Levi and to the disciples. Because I want you to understand this. it's is important to, for the backdrop of this story. Jesus was considered a rabbi. As a matter of fact, some people even called him a rabbi. He was considered a rabbi. And, and, and back in Bible days, rabbis, de- they would never ask students to become their disciples. That's not the way it worked. Students would ask rabbis if they could become their disciples. And if you found a particular rabbi that you really wanted to follow, you had to apply. just like you have to apply to get into college you had to apply to get in under this rabbi and you had to meet certain standards before you'd even be considered so in in effect you had to have a certain GPA you had to have a certain grade point average you had to have a good transcript you were expected to to, to have uh, an impressive knowledge you were expected to know the first five books of the Old Testament I mean by heart as a matter of fact as a part of the entrance exam they could even ask you to recite a certain portion of one of the first five books by memory in order to get in you say well well, what? Why was the selection process so intense? Why was it so meticulous and so painstaking? Well, the reputation of the rabbis depended on the quality of their students. So if you wanted to be known as a Mercedes Benz rabbi, you had to, you know, you had to invite Mercedes Benz students because their reputation and their ability to learn from you and do what you want them to do would would impact your own reputation. Well, Jesus does something that no rabbi had ever done before and no rabbi has ever done since. Instead of someone asking Jesus if they could follow them, follow him, Jesus instead asked them. follow him they had never heard of that you mean there's no application nope just an invitation now the disciples even though they didn't get it at the time they would later what Jesus was doing with Levi now listen to this what Jesus was doing with Levi was exactly what he wanted them to do with others. And what Jesus did with Levi and, Ma- and, and, and and Andrew and Peter and James and John is what he wants us to do today. Calvin Coolidge once famously said, the business of America is what? Business. He said, the business of America is business. Well, I've got news for you. The business of this church is is to find missing people the business of every one of you sitting in these rooms sitting in these chairs who claim to be followers of jesus christ whether you decide to do this or not i'm telling you your number one business on this earth is to be finding missing people our job is to be going about daily just as just in our daily life looking for missing persons and inviting them in some way to follow jesus now why is that true because Everybody is to be invited to follow Jesus, and anybody can follow Jesus. Say that with me right now. Everybody is to be invited to follow Jesus, and anybody can follow Jesus. So that's what we're to be doing. Well, if what Jesus did was not enough to shake everybody up and to shock Levi and to shock these disciples, what he did next blew them up. Because not only are we to ask anybody, follow Jesus we are to accept anyone that's willing to follow Jesus now the first command that Jesus ever gave I've told you in the Bible first command he ever gave very simple two words Follow me. We've already seen how unusual his method was because unlike every other rabbi, he didn't ask people to apply. He just invited people. But you say, well, what was it that really blew everything up? What was it that just blew everybody's mind? It wasn't how just how he invited people. That's not what just blew everybody away. It was who he invited. Because now listen to verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. Now, it was radical enough that Jesus chose his disciples rather than have his disciples choose him. But when you think about the people that Jesus chose, and you're going to find this out in just a moment, none of them would have made the time top 100 list, okay? I mean, there wasn't a biblical scholar among them. There wasn't a strong leader among them. There were no movers and shakers among them. Not one of the 12 that he chose would have made anybody's got-to-have list because so far... All he had was a bunch of four fishermen who, oh, by the way, the only time we ever met them, couldn't even catch fish, worked minimum wage, didn't have a lot of money. And of all the missing persons that Jesus could have invited, if you had said to someone, name somebody that you will bet everything you own he will never invite, Levi would have been at the very top of the list because he was a tax collector. Now, i just ask you, even today, how many tax collectors are voted most popular people to be around? I mean, when you meet someone and they say, and you say, well, what do you do for a living? They say, I work for the IRS. Does that make you say, let's go out and have a steak. I'd just love to hang out with you. I mean, he was a tax collector. He worked for the Roman government. Now, let me tell you how this works. This is fascinating. I didn't know this last I started this message. The Romans would collect their taxes through a system known as tax farming. And here's what they did. They had divided all of Palestine up into districts. We might call them today counties. So they had different counties or different districts. And every district, every county had a fixed tax figure they had to pay. So this county might, may owe this much money and this county may owe that much money and this county may owe that much money. And what they would do is they would sell the right to collect those taxes to the highest bidder because you're going to see in a minute it was a big money-making deal. Now, there were two categories of taxes that people had to pay. There was what were known as direct taxes. Otherwise, they were known as fixed taxes. Let me give you an example. This is true. Everybody had to pay a poll tax, P-O-L-L. That's not what you think it is. It wasn't a, a, a tax that you paid to vote. A poll tax was a tax that you paid just by being alive. So if you were alive, you had to pay a tax just for being alive. Okay, Now, they had to pay what was called a ground tax. In other words, everything that came out of the ground, grain or made from the ground, wine, olive oil, everything that you made, you had to pay a tax on. There was the income tax. Everybody was taxed 1% of all of their earnings. But now where tax collectors made their money was what was known as the indirect taxes, for example, there, there, were, there were duties and there were tolls that allowed the tax collectors to, to, to just commit highway robbery. And see, so here, here's, here's what you have to understand. A tax collector had unlimited authority to tax as much as he wanted to tax. He could charge you anything he wanted to charge. And he could charge you for anything he wanted to charge. For example, he could, he could tax you for using the road that you were walking on. He could tax you for imports and exports. He could tax you for the food that you were carrying in your knapsack. He could tax you for fruit. He could tax you for wine. If you had a cart, if you were, drawing, if you were pulling a cart by, by a tax collector, he could charge a tax on every wheel that was on that cart he could even he could even check your person if you had a private letter and he could oh, he could open that letter and if you were doing business in that letter he could tax the letter now the problem was he could charge over and above what the government required he could charge anything you wanted to charge and he could pocket the profit and there was nothing absolutely nothing you could do about it and it gets worse If a tax collector put a tax on you and you said, well, I can't afford to pay it, then the tax collector would loan you the money at an exorbitant interest rate. And if you couldn't pay that, he was then by law allowed to take everything you owned. He could take your house, he could take your farm, he could take everything you owned, sell it, and he could keep it for himself. It was the first case in history of taxation without representation. If it moved, it was taxed. And this guy was making money, Levi was making money in a crooked way, hands over fist. It reminds me of a true story. This has actually happened of a little boy that wanted ten dollars and he prayed for two weeks for God to give him ten dollars and nothing happened. So he decided to write God a letter and ask for ten dollars. So he wrote God and asked God for the, you know, for the for the you know $10, and he didn't know how to address it. So he put it in an envelope, sealed it, and just wrote two words God USA. That's all he wrote, just God USA. Well, when it got to the post office, the, you know, they had to open it up and see what it was. And they saw this little boy's letter asked for $10. They thought it was such a cool letter. They sent the letter to President Clinton. This was bill Clinton was the president at the time. So they sent the letter to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was so impressed and so amused that he told his secretary, send that little boy a $5 bill. He thought, you know, that's that's a lot of money for that little boy so he said send the boy five dollar bill well the little boy opened up the envelope came from you know came from Washington and he was over there, and he got that five dollars and he was very excited about it and he sat down and he wrote a thank you note to God and this is what he wrote true story dear God thank you very much for sending me the money however I noticed for, that for some reason you had to send it through Washington DC and as usual they deducted half of it now <laughs> It won't surprise you that the most despised, hated class of people in all of Israel were the tax collectors. Do you know why? They were considered traitors. The Jewish people hated the Roman Empire. They were under Roman domination. And one of the things they were praying for was that some Messiah would come along and destroy the Roman government and give them back their land and restore them to what they ought to be. And this guy was working for the enemy. As a matter of fact, you know what the favorite name was for tax collectors? Bloodsuckers. That's what they called them. You're you're just a bloodsucker. So let me put it to you this way. Levi was a missing person that nobody missed. He was a missing person nobody wanted. As a matter of fact, tax collectors were so despised, they were excommunicated from the synagogue. Even though they were Jewish, you could not go to church. They kicked you out of church. They were excommunicated. They couldn't even be witnesses in a court of law. You know why? Because their word was considered absolutely useless and worthless. They were on the same level as pimps and prostitutes and murderers and robbers. They were never invited to the neighborhood cookout. They just somehow always got left out. Whenever the high school class had their reunion, somehow they never got re-invited. They never got to come. As a matter of fact, when you read about Levi, most probably his own parents had disowned him because he was the black sheep of the family. You say, how do you know that? Because his name was Levi. If you know anything about Levites, you know that that was the tribe of the priest, that was the priestly tribe. And and from the first time, evidently what had happened was when this little boy was born, his parents had a goal for him. They had a vision. They said, You're going to be our preacher, you're going to be our pastor. You're going to be our priest. You're going to go to Bible school. You're going to go to seminary. And most likely, his dad and his granddad and maybe even his great-granddad, they were all priests because most of the time, if you were in a priestly line, somebody along the line would get the name Levi. And so evidently, he came from a long line of priests. And the last thing they thought that little boy would grow up to be would be a tax collector. And even his home family Wouldn't have anything to do with him. So get this picture. While everybody else hated his, excuse the language, guts. While everybody else would look at him with disdain. Curse him. Spit at him. Threaten him. Here comes this carpenter from Nazareth. And not only does he look at him. He does something that he had just done with Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Follow me. And I can just imagine what they were saying, those four guys. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Lord, we get you asking us. I mean, we are Jews. And we were good Jews. And we did go to the synagogue. And we were honest fishermen. And, you know, we were really nice people. We worked hard. We made an honest living. But... But Lord, this guy's a traitor. This guy's a sellout. This guy's a bloodsucker. Because of him, my mother, my mother lost her house. Because of him, my uncle was kicked out of his own home. Because of him, I know I, some of my best friends have nowhere to even sleep because of this guy. He took everything down. You can't be asking him to follow you. And guess what? You ready for this? Buckle your seatbelt. It gets worse. Because in the list of the 12 disciples you find in the next chapter, you read this in verse 15, Luke 6, 15. And Simon, who was called the zealot. Now, let me tell you about Simon. A zealot was on the other end of the spectrum of a tax collector. Now, you've got to get this down. He was, where where Levi was a, a traitor, Simon was a terrorist. He was a freedom fighter. If you wanted, by the fact, if you wanted to hire somebody to murder Levi, you would have hired Simon. He would have been your guy. Because he was a freedom fighter. So here's, now look what now look at the band, look at this, this group Jesus is putting together. In this band of brothers, you got a tax collector on one hand and a terrorist on the other hand. So not only does Jesus ask the least likely and the least likely to follow him, he even has a way of bringing them together. I mean, can you get, can just imagine this conversation? He calls these four fishermen. Then they find Levi, and he says, Levi, follow me. Levi says, okay, I'll follow you. Then he finds this this, this terrorist, this freedom fighter. He finds this guy that hates Levi, and Levi hates him. And so here's kind of how the conversation goes. Simon, you're a zealot. You're a freedom fighter. You're a terrorist. You despise the Romans, and you hate collaborators, and you, you can't stand tax collectors, right? That's right, Lord. Will you follow me? Yes, Lord. Levi, you are a collaborator. You're a tax collector. You're a traitor. You work for the Romans. You fear and despise freedom fighters, don't you? Yes, Lord, I do. Will you follow me? Yes, Lord. Great. Simon, you're rooming with Levi. Now, how could such a thing happen? How how, how could Jesus, of all the people he could have chosen, he could have chosen the the president of the YMCA? He could have chosen the banker. He could have chosen the farmer. He could have chosen another priest. You're going to choose a tax collector? That's lower than a prostitute. You're going, to tar- you, you, you're going to hire. You're going to call a terrorist. That wouldn't even mind killing innocent Roman children. And you're going to put them together. Lord we don't understand. And what they were going to understand was this. Everyone. Is to be invited to follow Jesus. And anyone can follow Jesus. Now. If that's not a, just enough of a lesson to kind of really get your brain rattling around, write this last thing down. Not only are we to ask everyone and accept anyone, we are to associate with those who don't follow Jesus. Now get that down. We are to associate with those who don't follow Jesus. Because what happens next is even more incredible to me than Levi the tax collector leaving a well-paying job that would set him up for life and follow Jesus. Look at verse 29. Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was this large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him. Here's what happened Levi follows Jesus, and he's so excited about meeting Jesus, and so excited about changing his life, and so excited about this new way to live and this new way to walk. He not only leaves a great paying job, walks away from all this money, he says, Lord. I'd like to celebrate my new decision. Is that okay? Jesus says, absolutely. He said, I want to throw a party at my house. He, Jesus says, okay. And he says, Lord, who can I invite? He said, you can invite anybody that you want to. Well, the only people that he knew were their tax collectors. So he throws this big party, and you got all these tax collectors because they were his buddies. Because, listen, who do missing persons hang out with? Other missing persons, Right. We we get in our holy huddle once. With, that's one of our problems. You know, we get saved and we kind of say we can't associate those people. So we get in our little holy huddles, you know. So you know, you, you, you got to read your Bible and comb your hair just right, and you know, don't say bad things and eat grits. Or you know, we just can't hang out with you, right? I mean, that's kind of where we are. But missing persons, they they just hang out with with missing persons. And so he throws. Now so watch this. He throws a finding missing persons party. And when you accept the call to follow Jesus, listen to this, this is important. When you accept the call to follow Jesus, he does not call you to isolation. He calls you to association. Your job is to go out and start finding people who used to be just like you. Your job is to go out and find missing people because all of us at one time were missing people. And so you're not to avoid missing people. You're to go fishing for them and find them and invite them to follow Jesus. Well, you got this big party going on with the most despised low-life people in all of Israel. And here is Jesus right in the middle of it. Someone observed That people who were were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. And Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. So let let me, let me tell you why it's so important. Let me tell you why this is a big deal. Let me tell you why some of us in this room, many of us in this room, need to get out of our Christian cocoon and start asking God to bring us to missing people that we might normally never associate with. And I want to tell you why it's so important that we associate with these people and lovingly and gently and naturally introduce them to Jesus. I want you to write this down. This is so good. When people who are far from God truly meet the son of God they want to draw near to God when people who are far from God truly meet the son of God they want to come near to God now I want you to watch this because some of you are about to get nailed and you don't even know it do you know who dislikes this kind of talk the most When a pastor gets up and says, you know, if a woman of the night were to walk in here in a short miniskirt and a revealing dress, instead of looking her up and down and saying, what are you doing here? This is church. We ought to be the first ones to welcome that woman and thank her for coming and love on her and tell her how much we appreciate her being here. Or the fornicator, or the adulterer, or the, the, you know, the the, the swindler, the, the guy that just got out of jail. Do you know the people that dislike that kind of talk the most? Religious people. They they hate that. Because listen to what happens. Verse 30. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, who are the Pharisees and the scribes? They're the exact opposite of the tax collectors and the sinners. They're religious. They're churchgoers. They're pew sitters. They dot every religious aisle. They cross every religious t. And they felt like because I go to church, because I go to Sunday school, because I go to small group, because I bring my Bible, because I pay my tithe, that makes me better than everyone else. And can I just be honest? I have had to battle that attitude myself. I've looked down at people who may do things I don't do who have never done or or, or, or I've never done. I've looked down at people at times and I've said to myself, I'm so glad I'm not a sinner like you. I'm so glad I've never fallen into that kind of lifestyle. I'm so glad I've never fallen into that kind of sin. And you know, I used to think the best thing that I can do is just never cross paths with them. And it took me a while to realize that Jesus would say, James, those are the very people you need to seek out. Those are the very people you need to open your arms to. Those are the very people you need to reach out to. So listen to Jesus' response. This is great. And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, this is what's amazing. This is why the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes hated Jesus. These religious people were farther from God than the people they thought were farthest from God. Did you hear that? These religious people were farther from God than the people that they thought were the farthest from God. See, there are two kinds of people in this story. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are the people who thought like Levi, Jesus, you're too good for me. And then there are the people like the scribes and the Pharisees, they thought, I'm too good for you. Now the first group becomes followers. The second group becomes failures. Because there's only one qualification to be be a follower of Jesus. You ready for this? There's only one thing you have to be in order to be qualified to be a follower of Jesus. You have to be a sinner. You know what that means? Everybody's qualified. Everybody's in. Everybody's got it. You have to be a sinner. Let me tell you why. If you're not a sinner, you don't need to follow Jesus because you don't need Jesus. And the number one reason why people don't come to Jesus is because they don't see themselves as spiritually sick in need of a doctor. They don't see themselves as sinners in need of a Savior. So the bottom line is this Who is to be invited to follow Jesus? Who? Everybody. You're sitting there and you're saying, But I have a sexual past. You're invited. But I used to have this deviant lifestyle. You're invited. I have a jail record. You're invited. I've been divorced three times. You're invited. I'm a recovering alcoholic. You're invited. I'm a pothead. I'm a porn addict. (laughs) I'm a hypocrite you're invited. Everyone is invited to follow Jesus and anyone can. And you need to understand this. This is huge. Jesus expects the same response, which is this. Look in verse 28. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. You read it right. Levi lost everything. He lost everything. He walked away from probably the best paying job in the whole country. He walked away from becoming a millionaire. He walked away from living the American dream to follow Jesus. Now, you may sit there and you say, well, you know what? That's why I'm not sure I want to do this. I'm not sure I want to give up everything to follow Jesus. Well, before you make that call, let me just say one thing to you. Following Jesus will cost you everything. But refusing to follow Jesus will cost you more. Following Jesus will cost you everything. But refusing to follow Jesus will cost you more. So let's just go back. Let's play the tape back. Jesus goes to Levi and he says, Levi, follow me. Levi looks at his bank account. And Levi looks at his stocks, and he looks at his bonds, and he looks at his 401k, and he looks at his beautiful home, and he looks at his Mercedes chariot, and he looks at all the Gucci sandals, and he says, I don't think so. Well, Levi probably would have died unbelievably rich. but you'd have never heard of him. I wouldn't be talking about him. As a matter of fact, because he followed Jesus, Jesus changed his name to Matthew, which literally means, by the way, gift from God. And because Levi said, you know what, I will follow you. I'll give up everything. He wrote a book in the Bible, and people named their kids after him. So I just want to say it again. It will cost you everything to follow Jesus. Absolutely. But it will cost you more if you don't. You know why? I came up with this statement. I'm sure somebody said it somewhere else. But I wrote this down in my study. And I had—I I, kind of got a little prideful. I'll just to go ahead and confess it to you. I did. I thought, that's good. The best, listen to me, the very best this world has to offer you is trash compared to the worst that Jesus can give you. The best this world has to offer you is worse than the, is, is, is trash compared to the worst that Jesus can give you. Yeah? I can't pull any punches because Jesus didn't pull any punches. So I have to give up everything to follow Jesus. And what I mean? You don't have to sell your house. Or you don't have to give up all your stocks and bonds. you got to give up ownership to everything. And if you refuse to follow Jesus, it won't cost you everything you have. It will cost you even more. And I want to tell you something. I'm just telling you as one guy, I am so glad that everybody is invited to follow Jesus. And I am so glad that anybody can. And I am so glad I do. Let's pray together. With heads bowed and with eyes closed. I want to talk to two groups of people this morning. And maybe three. You're here today and you're a Levi. And I don't mean by that you're a, you know necessarily a bad person. Dishonest. I don't mean that people hate you. But. You're far from God. You're a missing person.